Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for January 31st, 2016. This morning's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jacks Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, The Beginning of Never. never dies. So the words you hear in a wedding ceremony are not true. It's not till death us do part because the veil of death has no power over love. So I appreciate the words of Mark Cohn's melody that I printed on the cover of your bulletin that picture one deceased lover standing with the angels Always, always, always waiting. The picture is beautiful and as true and as true as the vows that can hold two people together for a lifetime. But that picture is also sentimental, and it is not at all what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he penned some of the world's most famous words about love. The love chapter as 1 Corinthians 13 is sometimes called. Some of us call it 1 Corinthians 13. (laughs) The love chapter is not about sentimental love. The church in Corinth was squabbling, as the church has been prone to do, as most people in most groups have been prone to do. And Paul is instructing them about life together in faith, There are implications for marriage, but the words have a much broader intent. It's easy to let Cupid do the marketing for this crazy little thing called love, and that's how we prefer it. Much more difficult is to understand that real love might actually cost you your life, not just warm your heart. So the country singer Clint Black, since I'm into music lyrics this morning, Clint Black actually comes closer to the biblical wisdom when he sings, Love is wide, love is long, love is deep, and love is strong. Love is why I sing this song, and I hope you love it too. I remember well the the day we wed. I can see that picture in my head. Love isn't just those words we said. It's something that we do. There is no request too big or small. We give ourselves, we give our all. Love isn't some place we fall. It's something that we do. Paul's instruction to a divided church is not about the excitement of erotic love, eros. And it's not about the brotherly love of Philadelphia, named from the Greek word philos. The Greek language allowed for a different kind of love altogether, not the emotion that lures lovers or binds brothers. The word agape suggests that love isn't some place we fall, it is something that we do. So when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said it simply using 16 verbs I love the way Eugene Peterson has translated that beautiful text in the message translation that was read this morning for you. Sixteen concise 
phrases, 16 verbs of what love is and is not, of what it does and what it does not do. It's about action. God's agape is not an idea or a sentiment. It is poetry, but it's always poetry in motion. Love never gives up, or love is patient, sometimes translated, but the better word is long-suffering because it's possible to be patient, too easy to stand aside and just feel sorry for someone, to sympathize with someone, but God enters into the pain with us, knowing that pain and sharing it. There's sympathy and there's empathy. And love is long-suffering. Love cares more for others than for the self. Or simply put, love is kind. It's the simplest little word, but one often treated just as an instruction for our children. Be ye kind one to another, we learned in Sunday school. But that may be as hard a lesson as we will ever learn in life. Simple kindness is God's love. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Wow, we need to hear this word. God's love isn't jealous of people or of things, and that's hard in this culture. God's love is filled with contentment, always satisfied with just what it is, no more and no less. Love doesn't strut. The word refers to someone who talks a lot and acts presumptuously or ostentatiously. But God's love is just down home comfortable with who and what it is always. Love doesn't have a swelled head to puff out like a pair of bellows, the word means. And you know people like that. God's love is honest, self-aware, relaxed with itself. God's love doesn't force itself on others. The word means to behave indecently, in a shameful manner. And you don't have to look very far in our culture to find actions that raise a blush. But God's love is sensitive and gentle. Love is not always me first. One generation has been dubbed the me generation, but that word, that really describes all of us, doesn't it? The me generations, God's love is always about others. Love does not fly off the handle. God's love isn't irritable or touchy or moody or easily provoked. You and I are generally always on guard, ready to be offended at the slightest grievance, but God's love isn't petty. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. I've got to take a moment longer with this one because I'm fascinated by this phrase, which means to credit to someone's account. You know that I am prone to find tensions within Scripture and often content just to let those tensions stand with no easy resolution. Maybe that's what Scripture is for, to be that fly in the ointment irritating our know-it-all comforts, prompting us to think and wonder, to be changed and to move. 
So Paul says, love does not keep score of the sins of others. But isn't the Christianity on which most of us were raised premised on that very idea? That God marks down our sins, recording them in that great Lamb's book of life. And one day, the book of Revelation says, books will be opened and we will have to stand accountable. Isn't that what you learned? I heard that preached in many, many sermons. Someone will have to pay for your sins. Well, I'll just have to let you wrestle with these contradictory biblical ideas. On the one hand, that we are held ultimately accountable for our sins. And on the other hand, that God, who is love, does not even keep score. Seems to me that how we set our outlook on life, how we turn on that sets our outlook on life. We can either live out of a framework of judgment always wanting someone to be held accountable. Or we can live out of the framework of mercy and grace, living in the light of a God who remembers our sins no more, putting them as far as the east is from the west. Henry Nouwen once said that God is mercy within mercy within mercy. But that kind of love is actually hard to sell in sermons these days, especially in a fearful, angry nation. Most people prefer the emphasis on you are accountable. Well, settle this how you choose. I choose to be Christian because I believe Jesus shows us that grace is the very heart of God. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Love doesn't revel where others grovel related to this last verb. We generally prefer to see others get what they've got coming to them, right? Forgiveness isn't our forte. But God rejoices at the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Another interesting phrase also stated, love bears all things. This is a hard word, but I think sometime of those mothers and those enduring fathers who wait patiently for their prodigal child to come home, always holding out hope, bearing every insult, every disappointment, every embarrassment. God's love bears all things. Love trusts God always. And that is a better translation than love believes all things. Because that idea makes love captive to our thinking, what we believe. The Greek word is pistuo, faith. Love faiths all things. And faith is not what happens between our ears, what we can believe, nor is it a warm surge running through our hearts, which is the very point Paul is making in this passage. Love is something that we do. Faith is a verb. So the word faith and our lives of faith must be translated in a way that conveys action. 
what happens with our hands and our lives, not just inside our brain. Love trusts always. Love always looks for the best, never looks back. Those two phrases combine to be a wonderful definition of hope. Love always looks for the best, never looks back. Love keeps on going to the end. But you know, if love really is as Paul has just described it, we have to wonder, when is the end? Doesn't true love always start over again and again and again? And finally... The 16th verb, love never falls. That's the actual word, love never falls. Ironically, we fall in love almost like an accident. We don't see it coming most of the time. We trip over it. Love overtakes us, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But God's love is something different entirely. Falling in love, you see, is beyond us. We are passive to the tides of passions beyond our control. But a never-falling love describes the most active movement of all. Never-falling love is not passive, and it is not theoretical. It is present among us. It is not just for the next life. It is to be known in this very real world on earth, Jesus said, as it is in heaven. Now the bottom line is, I don't know what never is. It's one of those interesting, deep philosophical concepts. How long is forever? What is never? Love never fails Is that never in terms of infinite years? Never in this life? Is there time in the next life? And if not, what sense does it make to say love never ends? I don't know when never ends. I do know when it begins. And when that thing we call love becomes God's love. It begins when we let our hands offer the touch of God, lifting those who have fallen, giving voice to the voiceless and strength to the powerless. God's love looks like your hands and mine. When we give them for one another as Jesus taught, and God's love begins when, well, let's hope it never begins today. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. 
Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. This has been a production of Park Road Baptist Church.